appreciate the goodness of the Lord. Amen. And all the singing, let's stand this morning and turn with us to the book of Daniel, chapter number 6, Daniel chapter number 6. And I was thinking about, uh, on this Honor Israel Day, I was thinking about, well, Lord, uh, what would you have me to preach? And I stand amazed at how that uh, the Bible, God just allows certain passages to fall in place. I've been preaching out of the book of Daniel, not really preaching a series of sermons, uh, just been in my own personal study, but it seems like it may be uh, moving in that direction, but I don't want to uh, bind the Lord. But as I was thinking about this week and where I'd been studying at uh, in the book of Daniel, how that it just fit uh, the occasion. I don't think that's an accident neither. Amen. That's God's timing. And so he knows what he's doing this morning. And so I, I want to preach what God has laid on our heart. Do pray for us. And brother, if you can give me a little extra volume. I was uh, yesterday, I think I just stripped the gear preaching. And so I uh, need uh, a little bit of extra volume. Uh, good Lord willing. Daniel chapter number six uh, uh, this morning. And we'll begin reading in verse number one. The Bible says it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom and 120 princes that should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give account unto them and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him and the king's thoughts to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Verse 5 says, Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king, and, and, thus, and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom and governors and princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not, wherefore King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went to, into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Notice verse number 16. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of the Lord's, that the, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Let's bow for a word of prayer, then you can be seated. Our precious Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence once again this morning, God, we want to thank you for the privilege to be in your house. Lord, we want to thank you for what you've already done in our midst. Lord, for the good report of the salvation of souls. And God, for this day that has been set aside to honor the people that you have honored and that you have blessed. And God, I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I pray that you'll give us liberty. And Father, I pray this morning that you will do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Lord, may you be glorified. May your son be magnified and the church be edified. And we ask it all in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to preach this morning on this subject, on lines in Daniel's den. 
lion's in Daniel's den. Oftentimes when we come to the sixth chapter of the book of Daniel, it's often been said and been talked about, and rightfully so, we mention Daniel in the lion's den. And I want to say this morning that when we look at this passage of Scripture, uh, there's several things that we could say about this den this morning. I think it would be safe to say in verse number 16 that this den was very dangerous. As the Bible said, that Daniel was cast into a den of lions. Now, friend, you don't got to be a rocket scientist or a theologian to agree with me that that's a very dangerous situation for a man to find himself in. So it was a, a dangerous den. And then it was a very dark den. The Bible says in the same verse or verse number 17 that a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den. So I believe when Daniel was cast inside that den there, he could not see his hand in front of his face. There was no light in that den. Can you imagine being in a den of lions. Uh, uh, listen, where there's danger all around you uh, and you cannot see where the attack is going to come from. Friend, that's exactly the way the devil likes to work. Uh, he likes to work in the dark. Amen. If you think about most sin, where does it take place? Uh, it takes place in the night hours. Amen. Uh, people that like to do live in sin, they like to live in the dark. And so it's a very uh, dangerous den. It's a very dark den. Uh, and then I think we could say this morning, uh, that this was also Daniel's den, amen? Uh, because when Daniel went down in this den, uh, it was not a den that belonged to the lions, uh, but it was a den that belonged to Daniel, amen? Because when Daniel got inside this den, uh, he found the deliverance of God, amen? And Daniel representing the Jewish nation and it representing the nation of Israel in Babylon uh, was living proof uh, uh, that the God Jehovah and that the God that Israel served and that Jerusalem served uh, was not like the gods of Babylon. Amen. I'm telling you, listen, when Daniel came out on the other side uh, of this den the next morning, uh, I believe if they, as they raised Daniel out of that den, if he could sing any song uh, in 2018, it would be this, uh, uh, my God delivers again. Amen. Uh, because it wasn't the first time uh, uh, that Daniel and these boys had found themselves uh, in a tough situation uh, where the odds were against them and where it looked like the heathen was going to get the victory but there's one thing that the Babylonians always forgot to calculate into their equation and that is God. Amen. And can I tell you something friend when Daniel went down in this den he found out that it wasn't the lion's den it was his den for God had orchestrated it and God had ordered it and God had taken care of him once again. I ask you a question this morning. Have you ever found yourself what seemed like in a lion's den? When it looked like there was danger and trouble all around. When it looked like the odds were against you and you was outnumbered. When it looked like everybody had turned their back on you. When it looked like nobody understood where you was at or what you was facing. That's the situation that Daniel was in. Daniel had not done anything wrong. In fact, if you look at the first nine verses of this chapter here, you'll see that there was a hostile plan. As the Bible said that the princes and the presidents and all of those, the counselors, had came together and they despised Daniel. The Bible said in verse number three that he had an excellent spirit and he was preferred above the rest of them. You see, the reason Daniel was in this den in the heathen's eyes was nothing more than envy and jealousy. 
because Daniel had been elevated in a place that they wanted. And friend, that's the way the world looks at it today. It is a dog-eat-dog world. Can I get an amen right there? But we're not living in this world as as the world. We're living in this world as Christians, amen? And we're to have a different focus, a a different goal, and a different perspective uh, as we go through this world. Uh, Daniel was not seeking elevation. Uh, Daniel was not seeking favor. And Daniel was not seeking, my friend, uh, prestige uh, or power or popularity. Uh, But Daniel was just simply trying to be faithful and trying to serve God. And friend, can I tell you, that's the way this world is when you try to live for God and be faithful the world is not going to like that amen my friend what the world could not see what is was that it was God that had elevated Daniel young people hear me and hear me well this morning that the way up is down if you want God's blessing on your life you better stay humble you better stay low and the talents, the abilities, the prosperity, whatever success that may come in any of our lives, we must remind ourselves we did not obtain it within ourselves. We cannot do anything, but it is God that raises men up, and it is God that sits men down. If I have seen anything in my Christian life, I have seen this, that those that try to climb whatever ladder it is they're trying to climb never reach the top, and if they do, they're miserable in doing so. But those that never ask to be elevated, those that never seek to be prosperous are often Oftentimes the ones uh, uh, that God will use uh, uh, because it doesn't have a hold of them. It's not what they're looking for. It's not what they're interested in. Uh, And the world turned on Daniel uh, because Daniel had lived for God uh, and been a faithful witness. Uh, I see a hostile plan. Uh, In fact, they said in verse number four, the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel. And the Bible said they couldn't find any occasion nor fault uh, because he was faithful and neither was there any error or fault in him. Hey, this doesn't mean that Daniel was sinless, uh, but it means that he lived his life above reproach. Amen? It means that he was blameless. Uh, The Bible said that you may be blameless and harmless, uh, the sons of God without rebuke uh, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in this world. Friend, if you want to live for God, you can live for God. uh, And we may not be sinless, uh, but we can live our life above reproach. Amen. You see, what that means is is that there are some things that Daniel was not going to do because it would dishonor his God and it would hurt his testimony. And friend, there are things this morning that no, I don't have a chapter and verse that says it's wrong, but I can tell you it's not expedient for me to do that. It's not going to help the cause. In fact, it may diminish the cause. And why would I want to do anything that would bring a reproach upon the God that I serve? Why would I want to bring a reproach on the Savior? Why would I want to bring a reproach on the church? And my friend, they said, if we're going to find something wrong with Daniel, we're going to have to find it in the godly realm. We're going to have to seek an occasion, not just against him, but against his God. Well, I'd like to have the testimony, wouldn't you, that if the world is going to find fault with me, they're going to have to go seeking, amen, in the spiritual side uh, uh, to point a finger, amen. You see, it's not a bad thing when the world uh, uh, wants to bring up how you live uh, and your convictions and things you do and they want to point fingers uh, when they want to point fingers at the preacher or the church uh, or maybe some member. uh, That's a good thing, not a bad thing. 
Now, I'm not looking for a fight this morning. I think you understand that. And I don't like controversy. I think there's something wrong with people who like controversy and strife. I like peace and unity, don't you? Because that's the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, we're not supposed to start it, amen, or seek it. We're not right in doing that. But the the truth of the matter is Jesus said they hated me and they're going to hate you also. Jesus said they persecuted me and they're going to persecute you. And the Jews have been persecuted all down through the history of time. They have been hated by this world because, my friend, they have been loved by God. And so it is with the church. The world hates the church because the church loves Jesus. Amen? And you'll hear them say things like this. Well, I ain't going to that church down there because it's an occult. I'm not going to that church down there because that preacher preaches a bunch of rules and regulations. Hey, their problem's not with the church. Uh, their problem's not with the preacher. Uh, that's just their excuse. Uh, their problem is with God uh, because they don't want to live uh, the way that God says they're supposed to live. Uh, now you can find you some liberal church somewhere uh, where the preacher will take your money and never say anything about anything. Uh, he'll never preach the truth to you. Uh, hey, that man doesn't love you. Uh, that man's just interested in your pocketbook. Amen. Well, Daniel was a faithful man it didn't matter the circumstances it didn't matter the criteria a friend listen to me Daniel was willing to preach the truth no matter the cost this morning can I tell you this morning I don't want to make anybody mad I don't want anybody to be offended but the Bible says great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend thee what that means is that if a man preaches the Bible to you, it's not going to make you mad. It may preach you under conviction. I'll tell you, this revival preached me under conviction. Amen. And I like that kind of preaching. I had just some nights, I just most of the night, every night, I reckon, I had to just plead guilty and say, oh Lord, would you help me? But thank God for some preaching that'll preach you under conviction, amen? And there's a hostile plan. They're out to get Daniel. Hey, the world is out to get you. You know what would do a lot of Christians good is if they would quit trying to be popular in this world and just be respectable and just be faithful and just be truthful, amen? Don't pat people on the head and tell them it's okay when it's not okay. You don't got to put your fist in their face. You don't got to point your finger in their face. You can have compassion and you can have grace without compromising the truth, but you're not helping them when you tell them that their sin is okay and that God is okay with that. Friend, that's a lie. And listen, you are to love them enough to tell them the truth. Hallelujah. You know why a drunkard and a murderer that we gave an offering to this week got saved because his son loved him enough to drive 14 hours to sit in the woods in a camper and for three hours keep throwing his guilt and his sin up. And every time he tried to deter it and talk about somebody else and how wrong they had done him, Brother Bailey said to my own dad, he said, I'd always take what he was saying and said, Dad, they just need to be forgiven like you and I need to be forgiven. And he said, I would bring his sin right back up. You say, I don't think that's right. I don't think somebody should do that. Well, you better take it up with Jesus, friend, because in John chapter number four, when that woman at the well came to Jesus, uh, she tried to talk about everything else. Uh, She tried to get real religious. uh, And you know what Jesus did? 
did. He brought up the fact that she had five husbands and the one she was living with now was not even her husband. Jesus said, you want to start talking about weddings? He said, let's talk about the five men you've been married to and the one you're shacked up with right now. That would have made the average person mad. But Jesus wasn't trying to make her mad. He was trying to bring her sin up. You say, well, why would anybody want to bring somebody's sin up? I'm going to tell you why, friend. Because when you see your sin, that's when you see yourself. Amen? And when you see yourself, that's when you understand you're guilty and you need to repent. And that's when you can point them to a Savior and say you don't got to live in your sin. You don't got to live in your guilt. And that woman at the well got saved because Jesus brought up her past and thank God brought up her present and it changed her future. Hallelujah. Now I'm not talking about dragging all the skeletons out of the closet. But I'm telling you, you'll never win a sinner telling them what they're doing is okay. Amen. That ain't compassion, friend. I hope y'all are with me this morning. That's not compassion. Amen. That, listen, that's compromise. I say, well, how can you prove that? Our God never one time has ever told us that our sin is okay. I'm telling you, listen, you know what our God does? He reminds us how guilty and how sinful we are even after we're saved. You know what that does? It brings humility. It brings repentance. And repentance, thank God, brings redemption. It brings revival. It brings renewal. You see, sinners, sometimes you got to feel real bad before you never start to feel real good. And you don't need to go to a church where you feel real good all the time. You need to go to a church where a man of God will preach the Bible and thank God you'll get under conviction and say, oh, Lord, he's talking about me. I know it's Jewish History Sunday, but the preacher's preaching on my sin. And I didn't come to hear that. But listen, God knew you'd be here and he wants to save you this morning. It's not an accident, is it? When I got saved, it seemed like everywhere I went before I got saved, somebody was nailing my hide to the wall. People didn't even know me was preaching on my sin. I watched one Sunday morning, or not one Sunday morning, during revival. A couple years ago, I watched somebody get mad at this church, get mad at me and leave this church. And they left this church because they was doing something that was wrong. And I went to them in love and mercy and I said, listen, you can't do this and be in the position you're in. You're going to have to get right with the Lord about that. Well, guess what? They didn't like that, so they got mad and left. Now, uh, listen, I didn't I, that broke my heart. I mean, me and my wife, we wept for days over that. And they left. And six months goes by. And on a Tuesday night, a revival meeting in the middle of the service, I was sitting up here and, and the preacher was up preaching. And I, I don't remember, I remember he was preaching on a subject, but I can't remember what the subject was. But I saw that person come in, I saw him sit down. And right when they sat down, all of a sudden, can you believe this? The preacher unknowingly gets on a rabbit. And he stops preaching about what he was preaching about. And he picks up the conversation that we had with that individual six months ago. Now, you can call that coincidence if you want to. If you believe that's coincidence, I got about 10 acres on the moon and I want to sell it to you at a real good price. Amen. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You say, what was that? That was God. 
when they finally got enough gumption to finally come back where they said they wasn't ever coming back to, guess what? God said, the message is still here for you. You say, what was that? Sadly, they got up after about 10 minutes and walked out the door. Friend, they didn't walk away from me. They didn't walk away from this church. They walked away from an opportunity to repent and get right with God. Now, they still go to church, but I'm convinced if they ever get right with God, they're gonna have to come back to the place where they got wrong and they're gonna have to get right, amen? Now, that may not be popular preaching, but it is the truth, friend. You can't sweep it under the rug. You can't run somewhere else. You got to deal with your sin or your sin will deal with you, friend. And I've lived on both sides of that coin. And I want to tell you, friend, it ain't no good to be on the other side. And I see a hostile plan, but I see a holy man. Look what Daniel does in verse number 10. Now when Daniel knew that the, the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. You know what I like about that verse? is that what the politicians had decided in the decrees that had been signed and had been announced and been put in place did not change Daniel none whatsoever. When it came time to pray, Daniel could have said, well, I'm going to pray, but I'm going to keep my doors shut and I'm just going to pray in secret. Amen? But Daniel, that's not the way Jews prayed. And Daniel said, you know what? I'm going to open my windows uh, and I'm going to look toward heaven and lift my hands up and I'm going to pray like I've always prayed. Hey, Daniel was a man of commitment. He was a man of conviction. He was a holy man of God. Even in the face uh, of danger, Daniel had courage uh, and Daniel said, I'm just going to pray on. Regardless of what happens, my God will deliver me. Hey, some people are delivered by by living and others are delivered by dying, but either way, we're a winner. Either way, friend, when we stand for God and we do what's right. Hallelujah. Thank God for holy men that will not compromise and that will preach the truth. Holy men are humble men. Holy men are men, my friend, that are honorable men. And I see a hostile plan. I see, a, I see here a holy man, but I see a heavenly band. Daniel is put down in verse number 17. He's put down in that lion's den. And in verse number 18, the Bible said, Then the king went into his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither was instruments of music brought before him. And notice this, his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. I'm telling you, I can see that king. He hasn't slept a wink all night. He's been up all night wondering, is Daniel dead or is Daniel alive? You know why he wondered that because he didn't know the God that Daniel knew. And isn't it amazing that while Daniel is secure and while Daniel is asleep, it was the king that stayed up all night long. The Bible said in verse number 20 that when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice. You know what that means? Lamentable. It means that he cried weeping but more so it means that he cried with the, with the doubt that Daniel was even alive. He wanted to believe in the deliverance of God, 
But as that stone was rolled back and that king fell on his face and went to weeping, it was like there's just no hope hardly. Oh, Daniel, he said in verse number 20, he said, Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually? Is he able to deliver thee from the lions? I can see that king as he cries out in unbelief, weeping, thinking Daniel is gone, Daniel is dead. Oh, but there's a voice that comes ringing out of the darkness. Amen. In verse number 21, there's a voice that comes forth and said, O king, live forever. Hallelujah. He said, My God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouth and they shall not hurt me for as much as before him innocency was found in me and also before thee, O king, I have done no hurt. Amen. I'm telling you, listen, Daniel had the blessed privilege. He had the blessed honor of giving God glory in the face of opposition, in the face of adversity. Daniel cried out of the darkness and said, my God hath delivered again. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes God allows us to be put in some very tough and tight situations. And I don't know, I don't believe Daniel knew the outcome no more than you and I know the outcome. I believe Daniel had the same mentality that the children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. We believe God would deliver, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king. We will not bow and serve the graven image that you have made. You see, there's an element of faith, but there's also an element of of fear and every one of us faces that I don't know what happened in that den that night somebody said well the curse God lifted the curse I don't know the Bible doesn't say that the Bible says God shut the mouth of the lion I believe you know it must have been miserable to be a lion in Daniel's den <laughs> you're sitting there And you know you don't know much, but you're king of the jungle. And when the stone rolls back, you know it's dinner time. That's all you know if you're alive. That stone rolls back. It probably wasn't the first man they had attempted to eat. And I'm sure, listen, when that stone rolled back and that darkness fled into the corners uh, and light began to come through, I'm sure, friend, uh, him, Dan, uh, listen, them lions, their stomach started growling and one of them probably said to the other one in lion language, uh, it's dinner time, boys. Uh, and they opened their, or went to open their mouth uh, uh, to feast on Daniel and they can see him at the mouth of that den. Uh, uh, but all of a sudden when they went to open their mouth, uh, somebody else stepped inside that den. Uh, they was somebody else in that den and said not today boys listen and all of a sudden to their surprise their mouth would not open boy I could preach a lot right there I have seen God shut some mouths I'm not even going to do that it's Jewish history day I'll cut you some slack amen I'm going to tell you something It must have been miserable being a lion walking around Daniel and knowing you want to eat him, but you can't. (laughs) You say, well, they could have clawed him. 
Lions have got sharp claws, don't they? But Daniel wasn't in there by himself. If you believe God lifted the curse, go ahead. I wouldn't argue. I wasn't there. But I tell you what I do know. I know the Bible says God shut their mouth and an angel stood in there with Daniel. And I believe when that angel stepped in that den, I believe them lions got over in that corner and said, that's our creator. And I believe they laid down. And no matter how hungry they were, they wasn't going to move except at the voice of his command. And I'm going to tell you what God did for Daniel. He's done for Israel time and time again. When it looked like the odds was against them and it looked like the whole world had turned on them, God shut the mouth of the lions of this world. And the same God that did it for Daniel and the same God that did it for Israel. I got news for you, church. It's the same God that does it for the Gentiles. It's the same God that does it for the church. Don't you know the same lions that would have devoured him and the nation of Israel would have killed you on your way to church this morning, would have let your babies never roll out of the bed, would have stricken them with some kind of dreadful disease, would have wiped every one of us off the face of this earth. But there is a God in heaven that stands between us and stands between them and thank God I'm glad he shut the mouth of the lions hallelujah I believe them lions looked over in that corner and when that angel stepped in they said wait a minute that ain't no ordinary angel that's the lion of the tribe of Judah and brother when he walked in security there's not a better security system in this world than God amen I know a man right now, listen, I, he told me that not too long ago we was talking. He said, you know, he said probably somebody's going to find me dead. I mean, he's up in years. And uh, he said probably one day somebody's going to come to my house. He said, and I'm just going to be gone. He said, you know, preacher, he said, I got to place this. I don't even lock my doors no more. And I told him, I said, hey, you, you might want to lock your doors. I mean, you know, lock your doors. He said, I ain't worried about that. He said, I lay my head down at night. He said, God's the best security system you can have. I said, you know what? I'm going to still lock my doors. <laughs> but I said, that's faith. I ain't going to criticize that. That's faith, friend. And I'm going to tell you something. The heathen king of this world, the Bible said in verse number 23, can you imagine this? Then was the king exceeding glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up, up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no man of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. And the king commanded, and they brought those men which, was, that, which had accused Daniel, and they cast them in the den of lions. Watch this, them, their children, and their wives. And the lions had the mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces, or ever they came at the bottom of the den. There's two things I want to say about that verse and I'm done. Number one, when they were cast in. They didn't even hit the bottom and they were devoured. You know why that is? The security was taken away. And sinner, when, you're, when you don't know God, you're outside the umbrella of God's security. The safest place to be this morning is in the hand of God. I'm going to tell you, Israel cannot lose this morning. I'm glad America is standing by her side. She can't lose this morning. Because God will take care of Israel. That's right. 
sinner this morning, if you'll get saved, you'll never be a loser again. Deliverance comes through God. Second thing that ought to be a lesson to all of us this morning is that whenever we sin and we leave God's safety umbrella, one of the saddest notes in that verse is that they threw even their children in. And when I read that verse, that's Old Testament, and I know it's under the law. But it saddens me to think that them little old Babylonian children suffered at the hand of those wicked men. You saw a preacher, God don't do stuff like that no more. We're living under grace. I'm going to tell you something, friend. There's a lot of little old kids out there never even had a chance because of the sins of their mother and their father. Until you run them buses and you bring them kids in, it'll melt your heart. I've heard preachers get up and talk about the bus ministry and, and downgrade. I'll tell you, make me so mad, you could fry an egg on my head. I'm going to tell you, I'd be in hell this morning had somebody not drove a bus and picked me up. My daddy'd be in hell this morning. I heard a man say one time, he said, if you can get them with a hot dog, I'll get them with a hamburger. I thought to myself, man, that's what we're supposed to do is get them. I don't care how you get them, go get them. Man, if I could buy somebody a steak this morning and get them to church and let them hear the gospel, I'd buy them a porterhouse. Amen. That may be too much for some of you to swallow this morning, but I'm just telling you, if I can give a sinner anything to get them under the sound of the gospel, why would I not do that? Because when you rescue one soul, you may rescue, the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. You want to reach another generation, you reach their mother, you reach their father, you give the children hope. Isn't that right this morning? You reach that drunkard, that prostitute, that religious man, you just gave their children hope that they never would have had. You young people sitting on these rows this morning, you ought to thank God a thousand times. Amen. Your mom and daddy brought you to church this morning. That's right. I can remember going to church on Mother's Day and they had all the kids come up front and they gave them a rose. Now I'm not telling you a sad story. Don't, I'm telling you, God's been too good to me. I just feel led to tell this this morning. They had all the kids come up front and they must have been about 20 of us standing up there in that little church. And then they had the mothers come up and the kids gave them a rose. And I remember me and my brother standing there that morning. We were only two kids. We just stood there with that rose. And it was embarrassing to me, really what it was. And Sunday school teacher came up and stood with us. And I can remember, Brother David, when I went home, I didn't want to go back to church no more. I just never did. I said, I don't want to go to church no more. I told my mother that. I said, I, I said, Mom, I don't want to go to church no more. She said, no, you need to go to church. I said, no. I said, and I told her what happened. Yes. For a little while, we didn't go. Thank God for people that just kept coming back. They just kept coming back. They said, come on. Come on, we want you to get back on that bus. And I know I've told it before, but I... I'm going to tell it again on Easter Sunday the next year. First time I ever saw my mother in a dress. That Sunday morning I got up. She stayed in the kitchen. She had a dress on. I said, Mom, what you got a dress on? She said, I'm going to church with y'all this morning. 
We rode, we walked down the end of that gravel driveway. We lived in this neighborhood, Brother Charles, that me and my wife was talking about it yesterday. We drove by it. We lived in this neighborhood that at the time was a lot of nice brick houses and everybody owned their own home and everything was, you know, real fancy houses. Not, not big high rise, nothing like that, but real nice, you know, brick homes. And then there was this one rental house that was right stuck right in the middle that made all the neighborhood mad, you know. My dad pulled junk cars out there, you know. We had an old 76 Nova that was primered up, you know, and it, it just drove everybody crazy. <laughs> he plowed the whole backyard up and made a garden out of it. <laughs> you know, that's one of them places where everybody built little boxes, you know, and put nice little, he just plows the whole backyard up. <laughs> we had corn and okra and everything growing. It made them all mad. I remember one neighbor lived behind us, had one of them nice split rail fences. He grew his corn right up in front of it. <laughs> Made them mad. You know, we didn't have trash service. Everybody else had the garbage truck, you know, come through. We just threw ours out in the backyard in bags. When it finally piled up enough, we took a whole load to the dump. Now, don't y'all look so sanctified. Want to go digging in your past, amen. They didn't give up on us. We was the only two kids on that street. They kept coming back. On Easter Sunday, we went to church and my mother got saved. Amen. God delivers again. Ain't nobody too far gone that God can't save them. I don't care how stooped in sin they are. If you can shed a tear, you ought to shed one more tear for them. As long as you got breath in your body, you ought to call their name out in prayer. You say, they're so wicked and they're so sorry. I'm going to tell you something, friend. God saved. He saved the king, Nebuchadnezzar, in the Old Testament. And he saved the chief, amen, in the New Testament. And if God can save them, he can save anybody this morning. You believe that? I wonder this morning as we stand, maybe somebody here needs to be saved. Maybe this morning you need to pray. Come pray for somebody to be saved. As Brother David sings, you mind God this morning.